future is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. 15 minutes of crypto value. My name is Charles Story. I'll be your host for the next 15 minutes. We'll scratch that. Today is Thursday, which means it's Women's Night. It's Women in Blockchain. And we have a very special episode in store today. We have Jess Holgrave, my co-host, is going to be taking control of today's episode. And she has a phenomenal guest. She has Elisa Shevinsky. Elisa is an American technology executive, entrepreneur, cybersecurity expert, public speaker, and author. She's written books such as Lean Out, The Struggle for Gender Equality in Tech and Startup Culture. She is also extremely passionate about blockchain technology. And to be honest, she has a she has a pretty well thought out and well executed opinion about most things that matter in our culture today. So I hope that you enjoy the, this episode as much as I did listening to it. And I hope that you get as much value out of it as we did here at SVK Crypto. So with that in mind, let's jump into the episode and let's get down to business. Hi, everybody. I'm Jess Holgrave, and I'm really excited to be guest hosting on the SVK Crypto 15 Minutes of Crypto Fame podcast. I am a co-founder of Shios, an EOS block producer with a mission to bring more women and diversity into blockchain. And on Thursdays, I get to interview amazing women working in the blockchain space to tell you a bit about their background and stories and to draw attention to the work that they are doing. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at jessieblock. Send me some suggestions of women that you want me to speak with. Um, this week, I am so privileged to be joined by Alyssa Shavinsky, CEO of Faster Than Light, um, where their mission is to help developers write better code quickly and efficiently, which I think sounds um, like exactly what um, all of these ecosystems need right now. Um, I'm sure there's lots of listeners um, who are eager to hear about that. So um, Alyssa, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, so I'm going to start, as always, with like a bit of a brief history. Um, you have studied political theory. You've been a film director and a producer. Um, you founded a dating app, which I really want to hear about. Um, and you've worked on a, on a bunch of um, blockchain and crypto stuff, including being head of product at Brave. How does Talk me through all that. How does it all fit together? Oh, that's a fun question. Uh, well, I got into startups when I was in college. I joined Geek Corps when I was still a student. I was a junior. This was back before startups were so popular. Um, and so, you know, I just got into being part of launching things and being part of these small teams trying to do something very new. So that's been in my DNA for a long time. Uh, so one consistent thread for me has just been that I love you know, startups. Um, but more recently, over the last five years or so, I've started to really specialize in security startups. Um, I launched an end-to-end -end encrypted messaging app uh, that was kind of like Snapchat, but encrypted and truly ephemeral and very easy to use. Of course, I joined Brave, and part of uh, the logic behind bringing me onto Brave was that I understood a privacy-centric audience. Um, and that really brings us to where we are today uh, with Faster Than Light, where we're building developer tools with an emphasis on security. Um, this is really uh, the area where I've come to specialize. You know, I, I love security. I think it's so important. And I want to make security and uh, the security process for developers as 
easy as possible. That's really the consistent thread for me over my last few years. Awesome. And so tell me a little bit more about Faster Than Light. You are building tools. If, if a developer out there is listening and wants to know more and how they can interact with you guys, tell me about that. Uh, so if folks would like to write to us, you can write to help at fasterthanlight.dev. And that goes to uh, me and the whole dev team right now. And we are very interested in feedback. We're reading those emails um, or rather as soon as they come in, we'll be reading those emails very carefully. What we're doing at Faster Than Light is taking existing open source static analysis tools and then plugging them into our tool, which is like a DevOps system. Uh, and that makes these static analysis tools very fast and very easy to use. Static analysis is a process that developers run to find issues in their code. Um, let's see what else I can tell you about what we're doing. We started off as consultants. Uh, a lot of people know Soho Token Labs, which was our older name uh, for auditing the ZeroX project. Now, when we sat down to audit the ZeroX project, we were using open source tools and they were a little bit time consuming and challenging to use. And it, it seemed to me like it would be really useful to build something that made it very fast to do the setup and configuration for those kinds of scans. And you know, people are paying a lot of money for consultants to come in and audit code in the cryptocurrency space. Um, that's certainly true in, you know, whether it's EOS or Ethereum, um, consultants get paid like so much money. And I was thinking it would be cheaper and easier for companies if developers could do more of this themselves. Uh, and so that's how we got started. We got started thinking about how we could take this security process and make it faster and cheaper and easier for developers to do themselves earlier in the life cycle. Um, but then we kind of woke up last March, looked at what we built and realized that it had applications very universally. Um, and that as much as we cared about the cryptocurrency community, we, we thought, wow, you know, we, we can share this with developers all over. And I'd spent a lot of time in the Python community. And so we started adapting the tool so you could use it to scan Python code too. And at this point, it only takes one or two weeks for us to be able to make an adaptation for a new kind of code. So we're really excited about doing this, you know, in as wide a scale as possible. Oh, sorry. I was just chatting on mute. I'm going to edit that. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's so exciting. Any uh, any particularly exciting things coming out of uh, of Faster Than Light right now? Well, we are pushing to production today, which is extremely exciting. Um, that means that for the first time, people outside the company will be able to start playing with the tools. Now, we're starting with folks who are extremely friendly. Um, so we have, for example, interns coming in for the summer, but they're not officially part of the company yet or advisors. Uh, and we're sharing the tool with them first. Uh, it, we're calling it beta and beta testing. Uh, but you know, going live and shipping live is a very exciting moment. I think... Um, I know technologists who worked at places like Google for years and never got into ship because for one reason or another, the projects just didn't go live. Uh, so shipping isn't something that I take for granted. We're, we're really excited to start sharing what we've built with users. That's awesome. Um, and, and you have a product called Bug Catcher coming out. Is that right? 
Yes. Uh, so we have Bugcatcher for Solidity. It is built on Slither by Trail of Bits. We have an agreement with them um, to use Slither inside the tool. So our tool is powered by Trail of Bits. And we have a tool in Python that's built on top of Bandit. Uh, so again, our mission is that we build on top of existing open source tools. And usually these tools, there's some reason why they take a long time to set up or they're difficult to use, or there's some kind of advantage um, towards building on top of them. And then uh, we release a tool that's very fast and easy. Uh, so for our Python tool, for example, all you do is log in with your Gmail and you upload your code. You can upload your entire project with all the dependencies and we run a scan very quickly and then we produce the results for you and it's that simple. You can do the whole thing in like five minutes. Wow, that sounds amazing. I remember uh, way back when doing security audits for, for some of our code and it took, you know, lots of going backwards and forwards and, um, you know, it was weeks and weeks of process. So um, I, that's super exciting to hear. I'm sure that there are tons of developers out there who are going to be very, very excited about this. Yeah, you know, the technology that we're using is, uh, it just wasn't possible earlier. Uh, and most of this was all architected by our CTO, Brett Thomas, who is uh, really amazing. He got us started PGP way back in the day, a pretty good privacy building uh, crypto, like the original crypto, crypto is in cryptography. And then he built um, and sold uh, along with the team, the whole team there, eMusic to Universal, and then about... Uh, give or take about 15 years ago, he launched Vendicia, which was one of the first online payments processors, and he kept 200 million credit cards safe there. Um, so it's really amazing having him here doing architecting, doing all of the technology leadership. And he built this tool that uses Docker. Docker is a relatively new technology, uses Docker to parallelize the scans. And so a scan that would normally take, say, all night, if you have a really huge code base, um, you take, say, Facebook, for example, I just read an article about how they have like one shared code base, right? So some of these code bases are just huge uh, and it can take all night to do a security scan. A scan that would normally take eight hours because you have to scan one file after the other consecutively, you can run that using our tool you know, really quickly and like between 15 minutes or an hour, depending on how much computing power you would throw at it. So that's like... That's going to be a really, really big difference for companies that are large and that have really large code bases. That's a, that's a, I mean, when you're talking about that difference in time, that's hugely significant and super exciting. Yeah, it's the difference between a developer, you know, babysitting a process during the workday or, you know, the end of the workday. And okay, maybe they stay an hour later, but it's not that big a deal. Or a developer actually staying all night to babysit a process that is eight hours. And uh, for the individual developer, I think that makes a very big difference. And for the enterprises, for them, it's a cost saving, but for the individual developer, it means, you know, sleep in your own bed. <laughs> Always nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, um, you must be very proud. That's a huge achievement. So um, congratulations. Uh, I didn't quite hear that. Can yeah. you say it again? I just said, um, you must be very proud. That's um, a huge achievement to have have got something like that to market in what seems like a very short period of time. So congratulations. Yeah, we started building this in October. Um, so it's felt like a long time, like waiting and, and 
you know, you want everything to be so fast, but actually it's pretty quickly to have the software designed um, and designed in such a good way. I, I'm honestly just really proud that such wonderful people want to work with me. Um, I think that's, that's always been a big motivation and a big dream for me to work with people who are um, as good as the team members that I have now. So I try to appreciate that every day. Um, I came to Silicon Valley in 2011, just like so determined to be part of it. And in some ways, it's been a long road. You know, like my family will talk to me about it. They remember me waking up super early in the morning just to try to meet some speaker, you know, for like five or 10 minutes, try to get their attention. Uh, and now people actually reach out to me. Um, so it's, I think, you know, if you work really hard and you hustle, you actually eventually get to where you're going. Um, yeah. And it's, it really is just such a dream for me to actually be here, you know, running a company that makes revenue and is doing stuff that people care about. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very exciting. Cool. That's actually a really nice point. I'm going to kind of shift a little bit of the conversation away from um, away from business and a little bit more about um, you know you and your outlook. And I and you, I know you have been involved in some some really interesting things. Um, you're you're the founder and organizer of SecretCon, which I, I read about, and you describe it as niceness and information security talks, which I love. <laughs> what does that mean to you? What does it yes. mean to be nice? <laughs> Well, we produced this conference in 2015, and it was a bit of like throwing a little bit of shade at the major security event in Vegas in August called DEF CON, uh, which intersects also with B-Sides and Black Hat. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't want to go to Vegas for my professional security conference, and I don't want to go to drinking parties for business. And I, I wanted to encourage niceness and professionalism in the infosec industry. And a lot of people came on board and said, yes, you know, this is what we want. We really care about this. And in the four years since we first did that event, uh, there's been um, a lot, a lot of movement in that space. People care a lot about niceness and professionalism. So what does this mean? It means things like uh, not promoting the jerks right? Like for a long time, there's been this idea that if someone is a brilliant jerk, uh, it's okay. They can get away with it because their contribution technically or through their genius is, is so worthwhile. Uh, and it's been so heartening to see over the last year or so, a lot of people coming out and saying, hey, someone who creates a toxic environment, someone who isn't good at teamwork, someone who's maybe taking more credit than they deserve or doing a lot of individuality, like doing their own individual thing at the expense of other people, uh, they're not worth it. They're bringing the whole team down, actually. Um, and so some of the niceness in InfoSec that I was promoting was in contrast to um, the idea that, you know, bad behavior is somehow okay. Uh, now, we haven't done SecretCon in a little while, but I've been thinking about running a very similar kind of event through Faster Than Light, um, because, you know, we're a dev tools company and we're really counting on community being a big part of who we are. Um, so I would really love to do another secret con type event soon, focusing on, you know, niceness and insecurity. I think that's awesome. And, and I read another quote, sort of quite similar, where you talked about 
um, creating a safe space for yourself in technology. Um, and I, and I, having been a sort of female founder and, and gone through very interesting sometimes um, experiences with investors who want to hit on you rather than invest in you and all of these things, I, you know, for me, I, I recognized some things in that. Um, when you said that, I don't know if it was a real quote or if somebody made it up for you, but, you know, what were you thinking and what does it mean to create a safe space for yourself in tech? There is a tweet uh, that I get tagged in periodically on Twitter from a podcast that I did about how when I was a kid, I thought that the whole world was a matriarchy because I grew up with um, my grandmother threatening to hit any burglars <laughs> over the head with a frying pan. Um, and and that same uh, podcast, I, I don't remember the name. They also talk about... Um, how I built my own companies in part so I can have the best possible work environment for myself. Uh, and yeah, I did grow up thinking that the world is a matriarchy because my grandmother was just so fierce. And I remember thinking that it was the most normal thing that houses were defended by grandmothers with frying pans. <laughs> I just thought like, that's the way of the world. Like every house has a grandmother with a frying pan, like ready to swat whoever comes in. Uh, and now I'm older and I know more about how the world actually works. <laughs> Um, and, and part of how the world works is that there are people out there who aren't necessarily going to be professional or they're not necessarily, um, they could be difficult to work with one way or another. One of the things that I love about being a founder is, you know, I've chosen this team and uh, I get to, alongside Brett Thomas, uh, choose what is our culture like, you know, and execute on that. And we get to say we care about niceness. We care about professionalism. I think one of the things that I love that we do right now is on the weekends, if one of us is working, we will post in the Slack, but not tag anyone. If it were really urgent, we would tag people, right? Like we're still a business. Um, but I've had a number of bosses who would DM me or tag me late at night or on the weekends for things that weren't really urgent. And it, it put me in a very difficult position. I felt like I had to drop everything. Um, and that's, you know, part of not necessarily feeling safe at work, right? Is feeling like, oh no, like I have to stop whatever I'm doing and, and go make sure that the team is happy with me, that the boss is happy with me. Um, and we're, we're trying really hard uh, at Faster Than Light to make sure that um, just the, that everybody knows that they're appreciated and that we're respectful of, of certain boundaries. Um, I, I think being a founder, it's such a hard path. There's ways that it's a lonely path. It's certainly difficult and challenging, but one of the very best things is you get to decide what's important to you and execute yeah, on that. That's culturally. certainly one of the great privileges of being a founder and, and, um, and being able to create that is, is, is awesome. Um, you wrote um, a book once upon a time that was featured in list of top 100 business books <laughs> that was back in 2015. It's called lean out. Um, that's quite an achievement. Yes. I've just bought it um, today, and so I'm super excited to read it. Um, tell me a little bit about it. What's it all about? Lean Out, actually, uh, it really took off. I didn't fully appreciate it at the time because um, book sales weren't super, super high, but uh, the acclaim that Lean Out got was really incredible. Lean Out was listed as one of the big indie books of 2015 by Publishers Weekly, which was a really big deal. Um, but more importantly, just like people in tech 
loved it. Uh, and part of the lesson to me with Lean Out, and one of the themes in Lean Out is that making things is easy, but fitting in is hard. Now, making things still isn't easy, right? Like you have to train and you have to learn, you have to develop your craft. Uh, but for those of us who love making software or love making video games, at some point, the making things part of it becomes very intrinsic to who you are and you get good at it. And um, there are moments where maybe you're struggling with a challenging piece, but you kind of understand, accept that that's part of the creative process. Um, for me, at least at this point, making software always has some natural challenges, but you know, I, I've been doing it since 2003 uh, and I've gotten pretty good at the pieces that I specialize in. Um, whereas the people part of it, I think um, a lot of us struggle around that. Uh, and especially people who have felt like they're on the margins in one way or another culturally. Um, and so this book really, I think, spoke to a lot of people, especially because there are so many contributors. There were essays from, I'm on the back of the book right now, counting people. It's like close to 20 people. And so there was a lot of representation of different points of view. And one of the most interesting things for me with Lean Out has been like the white boys who come up to me, you know, someone who you think would fit in very naturally by default. And they'll come up to me and say, hey, you know, I've been really uncomfortable at work because people are unprofessional in this way or that way. And I've realized that this desire to have a professional workplace, this desire to have a nice workplace, yeah. it's very and, universal. And lean Out, I'm guessing, is a, a reference to Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. Um, why was that um, an, an interesting point to reference? Why did you call it Lean Out? Oh, some of that, honestly, was just being cheeky and, and came from the <laughs> editors at um, Or Books. <laughs> Uh, some of it was, you know, it's hard to title books. Um, and it was uh, just in my editor's idea to call it Lean Out. That book, that, that phrase was used here and there in the book. And Lean Out kind of made sense to me as in, uh, like, this book was meant to be the next level of evolution in, you know, feminist leadership and women's leadership at work. Sheryl Sandberg made this enormous contribution with Lean In and, uh, she gets a lot of heat for some of her ideas and, and people don't realize yeah. like lean in was revolutionary at the time. Like here's a business leader coming out and saying, I'm going to talk about women at work and like, let's empower women. And I'm always so, so grateful to her for doing that. And then the thinking had to evolve, uh, but there were so few people leading in that space that lean in. It took some of the oxygen out of the room only because Sandberg was one of the few people standing up and doing this work. And so I have a lot of gratitude toward her. And I, I don't intend for any of this to really be taken as criticism. But it was like, you've got lean in. Uh, and then lean out to me was like the next level. Like, now let's bring in everyone's point of view. Now let's take the idea mm -hmm. that we accept that women are going to be at work. <laughs> like we fought for that and people accept it. Now let's help women be comfortable at work. Like the first fight was let's hire women. <laughs> now the next fight is let's turn down the air conditioning. <laughs> and, and that seems like a small fight, but no, it's a really yeah. big deal. Like I pack a heating pad wherever I go. Uh, it, I, you know, I'm, to meet me in person and I encourage people to find me at conferences or, you know, we can, let's 
get in touch if there's some way that we can collaborate or just we should know each other. Um, I'm so funny when you meet me in person because I have everything like figured out for me to try to have a nice day uh, and a productive day. And I pack my heating pad. It fits in my little backpack. Uh, and I take it out and you can plug in your heating pad at the office or at different like office spaces and at your Amtrak. Uh, and it kind of fits in with the rest of the technology. It's just like wires. It's not like wearing a blanket, which, you know, let, let me try and like command respect I, while wearing a blanket. I, I, I so need one of those. I used to work in a private equity um, group and I used to have a hot water bottle because and, and I was like wrapped in a shawl and a hot water bottle almost all day during the winter because the temperature in there was just so cold so I'm gonna get myself a heating pad I'll look a little yes, bit more you'll, you, you'll command more authority <laughs> <laughs> amazing um you are um you are also, um, amongst your many things, you run some WIC groups for women, um, Slack Slack groups for technical and non-technical women, and you're you're very prominent on Twitter and other places. Do you have any advice for women who um, are just entering in this into this space right now, or who want to be in tech, but um, you know? What would your advice be as, as somebody who's been in this industry for well, a long first, time? Well, uh, first, let me give a bit of a plug for people who heard that and are intrigued but don't know what to do for next steps. Uh, my Twitter handle is Alyssa Beth. That's E-L-I-S-S-A-B-E-T-H. You can DM me or you can actually email me at any of the faster than light email addresses listed for me, including the help one. If you would like to join our Slack group, I have this new Slack group that is for women who are CTOs and CISOs and highly technical executives, and another larger, more inclusive group that is also for women who are executives. And uh, it includes CMOs and CEOs who are building less technical products. And I, I would love to have you all join. Um, now to the question for people who are junior, Oh my goodness, it is so hard to be junior. And that is probably true in any industry, but it's it's especially difficult in technology. And I was so fortunate in some ways to come of age at a time where there were just so few of us um, that it wasn't nearly as competitive. Um, these days, my best advice to anyone who's junior, and this is especially true for women, is just to level up your skills as quickly as possible, to stop being junior as quickly as possible. And that is what I did. You know, I came to Silicon Valley in 2011, and admittedly, I had a lot of work under my belt, but I was completely unknown. Um, even some of the work that I'd done that was like really important, like I helped launch Daily Steals, which is still going today, but my name wasn't on any of that. You know, like there are a lot of ways I still to make a name for myself. And I just did everything I could to blow myself up. You know, I, I built this dating site that got a lot of attention. Um, and then I was in proximity to a scandal, which on the one hand, I don't recommend. And on the other hand, suddenly a lot of journalists and people were following me. And then we're on the cover of the New York Times Sunday business because people cared about what we were doing because there was a story there. Um, so I think some of the challenge is just how do you level up as fast as possible? We are going to be open sourcing the client side of our code, uh, and we intend to run a very nice open source community, nice and inclusive um, code of conduct enforced and niceness to the new people 
So I think uh, joining an open source project, uh, especially one that is trying to be inclusive, can be a good way to level up and for people to get to know you. Um, I'd say also just work really, really hard, which is it's difficult advice to give, especially because I believe work-life balance is also important. But if you want to get past that stage of being junior, um, the truth is just it takes a lot of hustle. And there, there's no, I mean, people can argue on me on this, but um, I'm in a really nice place in my career. I'm so grateful for that. But I got here through so much hard work. And if I hadn't put in that work, I'm I'm not sure where I would be. Uh, and so my honest advice to junior people is uh, to set your sights on a goal and like really, really focus on it. Um, I suppose the other thing that's a little less harsh to say is like find women mentors or really any mentors. Many of my mentors weren't women and they were very helpful to me, mentors and champions. And those people will pave the way for you and make things easier for you. I have a very small group of mentees and I'm really dedicated to helping them. Um, and I, I can see that there are things that I'm able to show them and teach them that would take a lot longer for them to figure out on their own. And it was certainly true for me. Uh, my mentors opened up a lot of doors. Uh, that's excellent advice. And I think, um, you know, mentorship and, um, and and being a mentee is such an important part of our, our career um, in in both directions. And, and so I'm, I'm excited to hear you promote that as well. Um, I want to ask about your dating app very, very quickly. We don't have time. Give me the, the 30 <laughs> seconds on the dating app. You know, I actually met our CTO, Brett Thomas, when I'd started working on this dating app. Um, one of my mentors, Gene Hoffman, introduced me to Brett. Brett was his co-founder at the time. We were building um, something that was designed to make OkCupid more usable for women. There are a few different things we did at the time experimenting in the dating space. But one of the first things that we did was build um, a filter. Uh, and so we, we took your OkCupid and gave you basically priority inbox. We did this around the same time that Google had rolled out priority inbox for Gmail. So it was like priority inbox for your OkCupid. So instead of having 50 messages from all kinds of people, which is very overwhelming for a woman who has just come on the platform, you know, and a lot of those messages aren't necessarily things you want to read. Um, and, and half of that wasn't even inappropriate stuff, but just like poor grammar. Yeah. It turned out that like poor grammar or a message <laughs> that just says, hey, is actually like just because it's like so much noise and it's exhausting, right? Like one message after another and they're like so poorly worded or so poorly written. There's something that's really tiring about that. Um, disheartening. So we filtered all of that out and left you with like the three messages from someone in your geography, in your age range, who had written more than three words and none of those <laughs> words were inappropriate. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Um, so I always yeah. finish, Alyssa, with a few quick fire questions, which are a bit of fun. Um, are you a late night person or an early morning person? Oh, goodness. I am such a late night person that I turn into an early morning person. Um, I have a thing now. I will take a nap at eight. I will sometimes sleep from like eight until one in the morning. And then I will wake up uh, at one. Um, one reason is I actually I like to pray and I like to pray wow. when the sun comes up. So you're at both, I think, is the answer to that one. Um, if you're an animal, what would you yes. be? <laughs> 
Oh, my favorite animal is the parakeet, but I don't think I'd want to be a parakeet. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's let's take that as, as the um, answer for have now. Have a, a particular like inspirational figure. It could be a mentor or, or some sort of historical figure that you look up to. Maybe your grandmother with a frying pan. <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, my grandmother was fierce. Um, goodness I feel like you know someone should have an answer to that uh, I think it's been one of the sadnesses of my life actually that I haven't really had the role models uh, the things that I've wanted to do and who I've wanted to be has been so unique uh, I haven't been able to look up to this figure or that figure and say that person I want to be like that person someday I guess the closest I have is Arlen Hamilton who is the founder of Backstage Capital is one of the most inspiring people that I've ever seen, you know, real, real or imagined dead or alive, uh, because she was a homeless lesbian living out of her car. She's later revealed she had alcoholism. Uh, and yet she still managed to launch a VC firm in Silicon Valley. And now what I would consider to be even like a very successful, like one of the most interesting, most, uh, most looked up to VC firms. And so I always look at, at Arlen. I'm like, if Arlen Hamilton could get this done, you know, as someone who had no connections to Silicon Valley and really uh, like outside the paradigm for who people were going to reply to or meet with, like there's, no, I have no that's excuses. That's a very good one. And I think you probably, um, even if you didn't have a role model for someone that you wanted to be, I'm sure that you are a role model for a lot of people right now. Um, if you weren't doing your current job, being a CEO and doing all this other stuff, what would you do? Oh, well, I really love doing this. Uh, so let's put that out there. And we're going to be crowdfunding soon. So um, those of you in the audience, you can help me to do this. And I will be so grateful. Uh, but if it weren't for that, I would like to uh, publish a book with no starch. Um, I would love to do another book and to make it uh, technical. And no starch is such a wonderful technical publisher. And I'd love to go back around the world touring, uh, giving talks about Python and security. And fortunately, I can do that as part of my role here at CEO at Faster Than Light. Um, but if I weren't awesome. with this startup, I would go back to And your favorite person talks. to follow on crypto Twitter. Oh, hmm. You can tweet us with that one. <laughs> you can. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, uh, yeah. I guess uh, Mike Judas for yeah, the blog. They are great. They I think are they're great. pretty great. Um, remind us how we can follow you on Twitter. My handle is Alyssa Beth. That's E L I S S A B E T H. Awesome. And my DMs uh, Alyssa, are thank open. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, and um, good luck with, with everything coming up. It sounds very exciting. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. I want to say a big thank you to uh, Alyssa for coming on the show today and Jess for doing such an amazing job asking so many great questions as well. So listen, with that in mind, that's a wrap. We've got to bounce. Thank you so much for your time and attention as always. If you haven't already, subscribe to the SVK Crypto Podcast. You know it makes sense. Hit us up on Telegram SVK Crowd. Follow us on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto. And if you have any questions or queries, feel free to reach out to myself. My email is cstory, C-S-T-O-R-R-Y, at svkcrypto.com. With that in mind, that's a wrap, and we've got a bounce.